Welcome to this week's edition of Unscripted, featuring Kirby Hassanen and Bill Petrie. Make sure you listen up as we argue to see who can speak louder. And don't forget, we're sponsored by Promo Corners Identity Marketing. All right, enjoy the ride. And welcome to episode number 35 of Unscripted. I am your co-host, Bill Petrie. With me, as always, good time player man. Let's give it up for one Kirby Hossaman. Kirby, how the hell are you? Doing fantastic, buddy. Always good to talk to you. It always is a bright spot in my day and uh, always look forward to what the hell we're going to get into. So I'm excited to do it again. The feeling is mutual, and as always, I need to uh, thank you for having the courage to do this podcast, but I also want to thank you for having the courage to keep kitchen products close at hand in your kitchen, Kirby, and I have a feeling, having been in your house in Coshocton, Ohio, (laughs) I know this for a fact, I'd say a good 86.4% of your kitchen accessories are by the good people at Bay State, and so if you want to join the Kirby Hossaman Kitchen Revolution with Bay State... (laughs) I strongly urge you to dial up your Google machine and go to www.baystate.com because as we all know, Kirby, promotional products are kept and usually kept in the most important room of the house and that's the kitchen. And there is no better place to get kitchen products with your client's brand on them than Bay State. Absolutely, my man. I couldn't have said it better myself. Absolutely. Well, there you go. So it, I feel like once again this week we're broadcasting at an extraordinarily high level. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> why don't we jump into it, Kirby? Why don't you go ahead and start us off this morning? Sure. Um, so we'll start with one that's a little bit more industry related. Um, Good. So I had um, a uh, supplier salesperson stop in uh, yesterday. It was kind of a last minute thing. Um, I happened to have time, and so it was a. It actually was a pretty productive meeting. Um, good to see this person. Um, but it reminds me, I, you know, you hear all the time about pop in sales calls, both on the supplier side and the, on the distributor side. Um, and I guess I just kind of wanted your take and, uh, maybe just discuss it a little bit. Pop in sales calls. Do you think they're good? Are they bad? What do you think? I think it's dependent, Kirby. And I'm really glad you asked me this question <laughs> this morning. Uh, I think it's dependent. Um, Back when I was carrying a bag and truly selling, you know, really out, out there selling, uh, knocking on doors, things like that, when people would say, oh, can you just send us some information and things like that? I always liked the pop in because I would tell someone on the phone, hey, understand you're busy. You don't necessarily have time to see me. I'm going to be in your area anyway. I'm just going to drop off that information instead of mail it. If I have a chance to meet you, put a name of the face. Great. If not, totally understand. And I'd say nine times out of ten, I'd actually get to meet the buyer and I'd have at least a fighting chance of trying to uh, establish a relationship. Yeah, I think once that relationship is established, I think the drop-in or pop-in is fine as long as you have a reason for being there. Right. It's the same thing for a phone call. There's nothing that, that grinds my nerves more than when a salesperson is calling to, hey, I just want to check in and see how things are going. They're going fine, dude. I'm busy. Now shut the hell up. Because <laughs> um, that's generally where my head's at. I'm busy, right? Yeah. yeah. So if, if there's a reason for the pop-in, um, hey, um, I wanted to show you this spec sample and I was in the neighborhood. Or hey, this is a new product kind of related to something you've done before, but I think it's, you know, I'd like you to take a look at it, wanted you to drop it off. I think those are really good reasons for a pop-in. But if you're just popping in, to pop in, 
Save yourself the trouble and don't. Yeah. No, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I it, it, it did get me thinking yesterday when this guy, um, now to be fair, he did reach out, but he reached out, you know, 12 hours in advance or whatever and told me he was going to be in the neighborhood or whatever. I'll be honest right. with you. Those, those don't bother me from, you know, the, the being the, on the other end of it, you know, someone calling me. Um, but honestly, I, I've been thinking about it. I think that you're right. And you want Thank to, you. you Hold on. Yeah. Let's, let's just let, let's let that, let that quote yeah. marinate for everybody for just a second. Could you repeat that one more time? Could you say you're right one more time? That would make me feel really good. You are often right, Bill. Um, Excellent. Please continue. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think sometimes though – Salespeople, entrepreneurs, people who you know do make uh, their living sell- selling, they use the idea. Well, people don't like the pop in as an excuse not to make sales calls, um, and I think sometimes we have to put ourselves in a little bit of uncomfortable position in order to, like you said. I mean, there. Are, how many times did you say basically? Look, I, I actually did get a chance to see that person. Um, right. I think it's a higher level of success than people. Um, want to admit because quite frankly, they'd rather sit behind their desk. Um, and the other thing I was thinking about, as you said, it is if you want a reason for a pop in, the reason is one of the reasons is just to say, thank you for your business. <laughs> I mean, if, if yep. that's the only reason for the pop in, I you can't do that every week. I get it. But, um, I think sometimes there there is value in just going to the person and saying thanks for your business as opposed to – you and I have talked about this. I always tell my sales team, go to our customers when you're not asking them for money. I think sometimes there's there's value in just showing that the relationship is valuable. So that was kind of my I, 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 I actually agree with you, Kirby. Um, again, to me, the poppin's fine, but have a reason. And saying thank you is a hell of a good reason. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. But have a reason. that The generic, um, hey, I just want to see how things are going, mm-hmm. that doesn't hold a lot of water with me. And I don't think it holds a lot of water with, with clients either. So I do think, especially once you've established a relationship, the pop-in is great, and, and I agree. You need to get out of your comfort zones. We've talked about that a million times, but damn it, have a reason to well, go. And, and again, just and this was not the intention of me driving us down this road, but I, you know, I talk to people a lot. It's like, well, if you need a reason, you should be doing a monthly self-promotion anyway, right? So there's your well, reason yeah. too, right? Yeah, have a reason, but but and here's the other flip side of it: have a reason, but there's a million reasons to do it. Yeah, correct. Right? Maybe reason. that's the best way to look at it. Yeah, yeah, I like it. All right, man. Uh, what what do you got? Okay, so in promotional products news lately, there's always – it seems like there's always some sort of news item about a plastic bag ban in some city or some state. Recently, I saw on ASI Central that um, uh, South Carolina is about to ban plastic bags. Mm. And this always seems to be big news, and I, I believe it's it's – supposed to be news because it's going to mean hundreds of thousands of dollars of non-woven reusable grocery tote bags for distributors. As a working distributor, because I'm, I'm a service provider, I do not work as a distributor any longer. Right. Or at least currently I don't. Um, have you ever seen a sales spike with any of your clients due to a plastic bag ban? And say that 14 times fast. <laughs> uh, no. But I would say okay, great. I think yeah, we've covered the topic. Yeah, no, I, I actually. So what I, I think is interesting is, is sort of the answer is that when the environmentally friendly um, 
the whole green movement started. Um, I think there was that, but I guess one of the things that's interesting about, and you mentioned earlier in the podcast that I'm from Coshocton, Ohio. And I always say that in Coshocton, I love it here. When it comes to trends, we tend to be at the tail end of the snake. Okay. So if the economy starts to go in the tank, the economy here will actually be better for a while than it is every place else. It takes us a while, whether it's economy, whether it's fashion, whether it's trends in our industry, to catch up with the rest of the industry, if that makes sense. My, it's, I think that's just the, the regionalness of our area. And what I've found is where I have the best luck in those moments is when I'm driving that conversation, not reacting to it. Um, and I, th- I think that's probably true in most sales. So, um, where we saw a spike in it was when the, um, trend began and we, we tend to still have that conversation, but, um, not because of a specific plastic bag ban, right. But more mm-hmm. because we're walking into it going is when you ask the question <laughs> to somebody, uh, are, is being environmentally friendly important to this organization? <laughs> That's a really hard question to say no to, <laughs> right? right? Um, so I think where we've found the most luck is just by driving the conversation proactively as opposed to reactively because reactively is when you get into the price stuff. Sure. So that's that's my take on it. No, that's, that's I think, a fair one and an accurate one. Yeah. So I, I really don't have anything to add to that. So you got another topic for us? I do. Um, so – the as you know right now, um, obviously we have a distributorship here, um, and that's you know the driving portion of my life um, with Hospital Marketing. Um, you also know, and I think we've discussed on here, I'm in the process of starting a new venture, uh, Hosman Brewing, um, here in Coshocton as well. Um, one of the things I've kind of joked about is in the past, I have always been able to out hustle and outrun my own stupidity. <laughs> so, you know, when I would make, make mistakes or I'd do something dumb, I could out, I could work it, work hard enough that I could overcome it. And what I found is, gosh, I'm not able to outrun things right now because there's just too much going on. So I know that you're a person, you talk about single tasking and productivity. And so I sort of wanted to see if you had thoughts on ways to manage projects like this. Any tips on um, being, you know, managing multiple big projects? Because I know you've done that. Um, I have. And so, what what are some tips that you have for me on ways to manage these things? I think the first thing you need to do, and I've actually thought about this, and this is a very interesting thing you brought up because I have not address this with you mm-hmm. uh, off off uh, microphone. So yep. this is truly unscripted as we commit. Yep. I wonder if you've taken on too much. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be straight up honest with you. Yeah. Um, so has everybody. I, everybody's asking the same question. Well, okay. But have you asked that yourself, oh, honestly? Sure. Yeah. Because I know you are – right now you've got so many balls in the air – and I worry that one is going to drop, not because of incompetence, not because of stupidity, just because of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you – I know you're smart enough to figure it out. So I think the first thing to do is, is there something you can back off on? Mm-hmm. So I think if I know you and, – and again, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I know you're very passionate about the promotional products industry mm-hmm. and you're very passionate about the video production part of your business that you do. And I, I know damn sure you're very <laughs> – 
Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I'm so convinced of it, I had to cough. Um, <laughs> I know you're passionate about the the brewery. Is there any way to maybe seed some of the leadership of Hossman Marketing to other people in the organization to let them run with it? Mm. Yeah. It, at least not not the whole thing, but parts of it. Yeah, no, it's it's a fair question to ask. I think, and you know this, um, we we recently hired um, Emily, mm-hmm. who is a new uh, a, sale, a sales assistant, inside sales, essentially an assistant for me and my wife. And part right. of that hiring was to take a lot of the day to day, you know, setting up presentations, sending proofs, doing all that stuff that does tend to consume a big part of your day. Um, I want a lot of that to move to Emily and she's doing a great job with that so that when I am focused on Hossman marketing, I can be focused on high level, high return activities. Um, so I am doing at least some of that, but again, I'm open to other suggestions for sure. I have to really get, you know, I'm not trying to cop out. I have to give that some thought, Kirby. Yeah, that's fair. Because Because I know you have to be very hands-on. I know, and it's really a new industry with the brewery because you're having to deal with state and federal regulations and so on and so forth. And so there's a lot of things that you can only do up until a certain point until you get information back from somebody. Yeah, for sure. I need to give that some thought. Maybe our listeners have some ideas on how to really, really do that, but. I would love I, for any feedback from any of the listeners on ways to really just to manage big projects. You know what I mean? And I think the only specific. Yeah, I think the only real suggestion I have is when you're at the brewery, focus on the brewery. And I, I yeah. don't know if you're there, if you're answering emails for Hossman Marketing. But if you are, you shouldn't be. Right. And by the same token, if you're at Hossman Marketing, you know, I think I think Patrick Black is your partner in the brewery. Is that correct? Patrick Clark. Or one of you. Clark, sorry, Patrick Black would be a promo chef. I'm yeah. mixing up my Patrick's. Patrick Clark, I apologize <laughs> profusely. Um, but maybe, you know, when you're not at the brewery or, or working on that stuff, Patrick can and really let him do that part of it. Because I've uh, had some interactions with Patrick and every interaction, I had, he's a very capable guy, right? Yeah, he can super. do that stuff. So maybe it's just, maybe it's that single. To me, when I have multiple big projects, it's all in on that project at that given time. And then when I'm not on that project, I move on to something else. I can't, I can't physically or mentally, I guess is a better way to look at it. I can't mentally juggle those things. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Actually, it's funny you say that because one of the big jumps I made was when I decided that Saturdays was Hosman Brewing Day because right. it was like, it allowed me to mentally go, okay, I'm not going to think about that all week. It's just going to be all in on that one day. And that really was now as I move forward, one day is not going to be enough, but right. it's uh, no, it's, it's actually really good advice. I appreciate it. No problem. All right. You're up. How much, how much time we got left, Kirby? You're, uh, you're five, the official timekeeper yeah, of this about thing. about five, six minutes, something like that. Okay. So I, maybe this is just a quick one, and then I have a fun one if you want to yeah. do a fun one. Let's do it. So quick quick thing, just salespeople. So one of the things I think is most difficult for salespeople – well, let me ask you this. What's the one thing that's most difficult for salespeople uh, in your opinion? I think the consistently doing prospecting calls. Okay, I would agree with that, but I think it's harder for teaching people, salespeople, when to say no. Mm, that's good, yeah. So, how can we, as sales leaders, you, you, you have a sales staff that you run. I certainly work with uh, several organizations where I work with their sales staff uh, on, on a coaching level. 
What's the best way to teach him to say no and realize that no is actually okay? Oh, man. Because sometimes the the deal you don't make, the sale you don't make is the best sale, right? Yeah. You know, uh, it, it's it, it, this is hard for everybody, including myself, as we just addressed. <laughs> uh, but the best rule for this, that I, and I've said it, and my wife actually repeats it back to me when I'm in a conundrum and I'm asking her about it. Is Derek Sivers um, has a book? Um, I actually forget the name of the book, but he has this rule where he said that his rule for making a decision on whether he works on something or not is if it's not hell yes, it's no. So, in other words, if you're so damn passionate about it that you want to drop other things to work on it, then absolutely do it. But if it's maybe, then it's no. If it's yeah, then it's no. Because if because most people. When they say they don't have time, it isn't because they don't have time. It's because they have a bunch of shit on their calendar that they're not that excited right. about working on. So right. that's – and again, I don't know how that's the best way for everybody else to know it, but that's how I do it. Does that make sense? It does. I think it's hard for salespeople though to to embrace that just because they have that uh, carrot of, of I got to meet my nut this month or yeah. my boss is getting out of my ass or – you know, I I want to go. I want to take my uh, my girlfriend out to Buffalo Wild Wings this weekend. <laughs> big big doings on a date, and they want to make that commission. So they might take yeah. a take a sale from a client that either is abusive or a, a client that has unrealistic expectations, or a client that um, that just has a history of not paying their bills. Oh, you know, I yeah. mean, and, and sometimes that's really where you need to say no, or even a client you can't really help. Yeah. Or you know what you're selling them isn't going to help them. So I just think it's one of those things, and, and maybe it's just something we just kind of think about. But as a salesperson, sometimes it's okay to say no. Yeah, 100% is. And one of the things I find that it, you know in your gut, right? Yeah. It, it, it's so funny because so many times when you know a friend calls and asks for advice on something like this, they already know. They just need you to tell them what they already know. Um, so I guess the, the deal is just trust your gut to a degree because if it's that customer that, yeah, they, they have, they've been, they've taken 90 days to pay in the past, but I'm sure this time will be different. <laughs> no, it won't. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and you well, know too, that. <laughs> well, too, too often, I think as salespeople, we focus on preventing buyer's remorse yeah. and we really should be looking at making sure we're presenting seller's remorse too, because we've all said yes to something. And five minutes later, we're like, what in God's name was I thinking? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> no, that's that's – if you can come up with a, a better way to teach salespeople and Kirby Hossman how to say no, let me know because I'm, I'm I'm all ears on that one. <laughs> the, the only one I have is, is if it's not a hell yes, I'm not going to immediately say no because I, I have – you said that uh, quote to me before. If it's not hell yes, it's no and I like that. I think it's – in real life and in the real world, it's a little too simplistic, but I love the idea behind it. I yeah. truly do. But if it's not a hell yes for me, I will make time. I will take time to really think about it. Yeah. Because I think as sales salespeople, we're conditioned to, man, whatever question they're going to ask, it starts with a yes. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. So, all right, let's go, all right. let's do the fun one. Okay. So a, a couple of buddies outside the industry um, and I, we've been talking about the best rock debut album of all time. So we're talking oh. specifically the genre of rock and roll, sir. Yes. Okay. I'm on it. So uh, I have a couple I, – I have, I have, there's some arguments there, right? You okay. could certainly say the Guns N' Roses debut album in, in uh, 1987, Appetite for Destruction yes. was phenomenal. I really you could wish say, you hadn't said that because that was going to be my answer. That can be your answer. Yeah, because yeah, that's that's my favorite. 
Okay, so that's your number one. For but sure. you could uh, you could argue Boston, their okay. debut, right? Pearl Jam Ten. That one was really good. Yeah. Um, I kind of skewed a little bit. Maybe maybe Pink Floyd, Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Okay. All right. Uh, Metallica, Kill 'Em All, or yeah, good. <laughs> Led Zeppelin One. Okay. But clearly. And you know where I'm going. Yeah, I do know and, where you're going. And anybody who listens to this podcast, <laughs> all six of you, know where I'm going here. But I got to believe, I think the best rock debut album of all time is Van Halen 1. Now, you're going to tell me that Guns N' Roses is better. And I think that's a fair argument. Why is Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction the best rock debut album of all time, Kirby? Because I think it's the best rock album of all time. So you would put. literally, I, I mean, I mean, if you want to go old school a little bit more in say Beatles white album, okay, I'll have that discussion. But I think at least from my era of when I was, you know, conscious, yeah, of legitimately music. listening, that's probably my favorite individual album. And I mean, I think part of that has to do with when I was growing up and how old sure. I was and all that stuff. Well, of course it does. It's but, all going to shape that. Right? Yeah. But that's, that's, I mean, that's to this day, probably my favorite rock album of all time. So you would put Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction above ACDC, Black and Black? I mean, personally, yes. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Back and Black. That's that's fantastic. But I'm, I'm hitting you where it hurts. Yeah. I'm challenging your way of thinking, yeah, sir. No, it's it, well, when I put on Pandora and uh, a Guns N' Roses, a Metallica, or an ACDC song comes on while I'm running, I'm thumbs upping all of those. Right. <laughs> so I like all of those, but I again just song by song, I like every single song on the on the Appetite for Destruction. Well, I I would love to hear from our very limited audience um, <laughs> what they think the best rock debut album of all time is. And, and I listed a couple, and there's probably some I, I missed. I'm yeah. sure there's quite a few. I still think if I'm ranking like the top three of all time, okay. I would put Van Halen one as the first, uh, Van, the Van Halen debut album. I put Guns N' Roses right behind it, okay, right behind it, and then I think I put um, probably Pearl Jam's Ten. I, that is I a like great that. album that still yeah really holds up. So um, that's one. But that, I mean, again, they come when it comes on. You know, any song from that album yep. comes on the radio. Yeah, I still stop what I'm doing and listen. So, so let's hear it from all our good time player people out there. What is the best debut rock album of all time? I expect to hear from Danny Rosen. Yeah. I expect to hear from Mark Graham. I expect to hear from a lot of people. Yeah, for uh, sure. We need, this is, this is one people. I'd like to hear from a lot of people in the industry, for sure. And, and perhaps we have some sort of a rock music roundtable. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. I like that idea. You know what else I like? I know I, since you like that idea, can I share something I like? I would love that. I love kitchen products, Kirby. Yep. I really do. I have a soft spot in my promotional heart for the kitchen product because it is probably, from a bang for your buck perspective, the most bang for your buck you're going to get for a client's logo. It's going to be kept in the kitchen where most promotional products are kept. And Kirby, do you have any suggestions where people might be able to get maybe the best kitchen products in the promotional products industry? I mean, it seems so clear. It's crystal clear. Yes. I mean, I would go to baystate.com if it were me. And you know what? Well, and, and you would be right. And not only would you go there, I would say the hordes of promotional products professionals not only walk to the Baystate website, they use their fingers and run. 
you know, their day, their little <laughs> fingers just tapping on a desk, run into the run into the portable Google machine or their desktop Google machine, and they're going to type in www.basestate.com, click on that kitchen accessories, and their minds are going to be blown. Blown. Always, always blown, for sure. Absolutely. Well, Kirby, it's been a great time doing this with you, as always. Absolutely. And uh, I hope you have a dandy week. I hope you figure out how you're going to manage your many, many projects. I know you will. I know you will. I, I really do appreciate the insight. And again, like we said, I'd love to hear from – not only I want to hear the audience from the uh, Best Debut album, but if there's any tips on managing giant multiple projects, I am open and listening. So thanks, man. No, no problem. And I think I think this is audience participation podcast, apparently. Yeah. So <laughs> absolutely. Well, thanks, buddy. Good to talk to you. All right, have a good one. Once again, thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. As always, brought to you by the good people at Promo Corners Identity Marketing, the interactive tool for promotional products professionals.